Art Star Scene Radio, also a safe space radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Face Boy. I'm Lucas. With us at home is Peter. Thanks for having me, guys. We're very glad to have you. So Lucas calls me up last night and he says, um, uh, habeas corpus has been revoked. And I'm like, and he goes, do you know what that is? And I'm like, well, I thought it was our right to due process, but that's not possible. And he's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the, the cornerstone of what makes fairness in the criminal justice system for the last 900 years. And he's like, canceled. Just for New York City. But, like, the world is outraged for us. I know. <laughs> I know. They should be. That's insane in itself. Yeah, I mean, I know. Not? It's basically what it breaks down to is you can be arrested and detained for any reason, for any amount of time, or for no reason at all. That's what habeas corpus protects us from. And we're no longer protected from that during these times when we need to express ourselves, when we need to be protected, not have our rights taken away. Makes me crazy. <laughs> I really think they're just trying to force to keep as much people locked up as they can to minimize people being out there, and it's it's so wrong. Yeah, as many people locked up for as for as as long as possible, so that they can like not have to, so that to make their jobs easier. So there's only so, six thousand cars, and so if you say out loud, "I have to pee." And they um, don't allow you to pee, then you have to. Um, they they can't like prosecute you for peeing in their car, and it takes forty eight hours to reuse the car because of COVID. So you should pee in the car if you get arrested. Pee in the car. Yeah, but I didn't know about that. Say but, yeah, I have pee, to pee, pee in, first. I have to pee. Yeah. And then and then pee in the car. Do it. They can't transport uh, people. Might as well. So let's uh, let's learn a little bit about our guest. Our guest, Peter, is uh, is the president of Nightlife Security Company, which is called the Private Security Protection Services, and um, it is uh, it is a black-owned business. We wanted to have black voices here today, and we also we had, were planning on having you on this show before all of this stuff went down to talk about the financial impact that has uh, affected you since the shutdown. So um, let's start to speak on it and the, and the lack of government response. Yeah, just in general, from the beginning, it's it was so, so hard to, you know, figure out how they were going to dole out the funds to begin with, because there's it's, it's a very hard process. Like, I, I understand, like, with bigger companies, you know, they have entire legal departments that understands all this. That's why, like, it, it's it's a good thing for any small business owner to 
become part of the Small Business Association because it really becoming part of that is what helped us, you know, get any funds whatsoever because they explain a lot of this to us. But how long it took us, that I don't understand why because we processed everything as soon as possible and then started seeing on like any news or social media these big corporations that were getting money first. What is the size of your company and when did you join the Small Business Association? Uh, we we're like 50, 50 employees or so and under, so we're not that big. And it actually took us a while to get into the Small Business Association. It was actually earlier last year that we finally finished up everything. So we've been trying to stay on top of that. Oh, so you didn't join in response to losing work. You had you had started this a year ago. Yeah, we, we started the process a, a while ago because it, it, it can be a lengthy process. And again, like I said, just the system, the way it works and trying to get any kind of help, you know, it, it's sometimes so convoluted that it frustrates people and they don't get it done. So they don't get the help that they need to grow their business. That's why by joining the SBA, you know, they, they have many outlets to help people understand or just get the help they need to, you know, help their business. So for people who joined after COVID, there's really no option for help at this point because it takes so long to join. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I, I believe for the most part, because a lot of it, the money was sent to the Small Business Association. So they were doling it out. So I, I, I'm pretty sure they were probably giving people that were already members or joined. Yeah. You know, preferentially. Yeah, exactly. So, so it would be definitely a good idea to join if you haven't joined and you're a small business, but don't expect much right away. Yeah, because I know that the funds, even after it was depleted and they refunded it, it, it was all, it was going really fast. So again, I don't know if everybody or the majority of people who are even part of the Small Business Association got funds yet. So your i i i looked at your webpage last night and again today and i saw i actually saw uh, places where i have done some uh, events like baby baby grand i think it's called yes that's one of your clients um i i was kind of surprised to see that cuz it's such a small venue i was wondering what it was that they needed security services for it's it's actually because it's a small venue that makes it that requires security because, you know, 25 people, 30 people, it's, it's full, mm -hmm. you know, and then you got people that just keep trying to come in and it, it just makes it unsafe for everybody that's there already. So we're there to kind of manage the flow of people that are coming in and out. And oddly enough, that part of like Tribeca, Soho area, you'd be surprised how much trouble we actually have down there. Absolutely. I used to live down there and it, um, I feel like people are just so privileged that they feel that they can run the street in a way. 
And that that's the a lot of the problem we have over at Baby Grand. It's just a lot of people that do you know who I am? I'm this person that think there's somebody that they can just do whatever they please. Yeah, I always love that. You don't know who I am. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. know who you are. <laughs> really That's the right. only answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. And I don't it's always care. good to make fun of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> so is it uh is it the venue that hires you or is it people who put on events uh it, it's the venue that hires us there there are some instances where we would you know be contracted by someone who rented out the venue so they're just doing like a pop-up or just a special event so they would bring us on to kind of save themselves the trouble of finding out if the venue has security or not i see Um, in general, what are, what are the, what are the biggest problems that you tend to face in security and nightlife? And we're going to get back to shit that's going on in the world. These are just some questions that I had in my head. Uh, for a lot of venues, I would say it actually kind of coincides with what's going on. It's like a lot of privilege. It's just people that assume that they're better than you and you know, they look down on you because uh, I'd say 80% of my staff are people of color. So, you know, we, we get a lot of people that are just very privileged and just assume, you know, they're a lowly security guard. You know, we get a lot of people that when, when they get frustrated because we won't let them in or we have to escort them out, start you know, berating my guard and saying, oh, you're just a lowly security guard and, oh, you probably make $6 an hour and, you know, anything like that to try to belittle them. It's so, so, race does, so race does come into play in, in yeah, these situations? Very, 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 very much, much so. Yeah. I did not know that. I was not expecting that answer. I'm glad that I'm glad that we we are opening things up here. Your your staff are are highly trained. Your founder was a was a personal bodyguard for uh, for a head of state. Is that correct? Uh, yes. He's also former military as well. He himself was a former uh, cop, so you know he knows the law extensively. Well, being a cop and knowing the law are two different things. Let's just like <laughs> you know, that, that. That, is, that is true. Considering that is very true. <laughs> That's a big fucking problem. That's a big problem. I, I watched this show called Blue Bloods. Uh, have you heard of it? Oh uh, yeah, I have. Haven't and seen I watch it. I watch it because it's such a fantasy. It's such a ridiculous fantasy. Here we have a detective. It's a family of cops. the 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 commissioner uh, is the dad, and and one of the sons is a detective that actually is dedicated to every single case, no matter what the person's background is. That doesn't happen. <laughs> it's definitely fantasy. And then there's there's a there, there's another son that he went to law school, and then uh, after his cop brother died on the job he decided he was going to be an officer so so this is this is a police officer that could have had a law degree that actually knows the law that 
doesn't happen. <laughs> That's fantasy land. And this is all set in New York City. So uh, I like to, you know, pretend for an hour a week that, that we have uh, this family of police officers that, that all do their job and, and, and don't work with any kind of prejudices, prejudice, prejudices and all of that kind of stuff. But the reality is much different. The reality is there was a, there was a NYPD officer that was refused a job because he scored too high on an intelligence test. And, um, and he, he appealed on the grounds of that this is discrimination. And, they, and, there was, and he lost that case because there is no precedent that says you can, that, says that, uh, that, that you're a protected class by being super smart. Um, and it's, the reasoning behind this is because they want people who are following orders. And they think that if someone is very intelligent and they become a police officer after all of their training, they're just going to get bored on the job because it's a boring job for the most part. You know, right now I'm sure they're excited to be doing what they're doing. I'm not sure about that, but it's not boring for them right now. I will say that. But for the most part, it's a boring job. I've, I've known police officers. They but seem to be is... enjoying it. I mean, I live like on a, okay. on a cop block, and so I have to deal with the cops every time I want to leave the block, going in or out. And they seem to be enjoying their like power right now. And I also they also like use are using a playground on my block as a loading ground for them to prepare with their riot gear, and they're just all standing there with their like um, batons, like prepping, like just getting amped up, and it's just fucked up. Like they're not they're like prepping the way you see football players prep, and I'm like you don't need to prep to like fight. Like you're you're actively going out there with the intention of fighting. They're not giving the ch- a chance for it to be peaceful. The looting has mostly stopped since the curfew, and they're still not being peaceful. No, no, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the things I'm seeing. A, a man with his hands up and, and a police officer pulling his mask down and pepper spraying him, and the guy somehow still manages to keep his hands up while he's being pepper sprayed. Another man in Buffalo uh, approaching officers pushed to the ground, uh, 75 years old, head fucking splits open, there's blood running down, and the police keep walking. And then the two officers that were involved in that, they get suspended, and then the other 57 officers, they said, okay, well, we, we don't think they should have been suspended for that, so we're all going to walk off the job. We're not going to do they this They didn't anymore. walk you off the what? job. You, they, I know. They, they, they only right, walked officers. off the special um, task force, but they yeah, all the still task- getting paid. They're all still yeah, getting still paid getting the same paid. salary. They're just refusing to do what they've been trained to do and paid to like do. Now they're saying that, like we're not standing with their lives because this. What was that man doing to them? He wasn't threatening. He wasn't scared. He was not threatening in the least bit. And you know what? Fine. You know, walk off. Do do something else. Do something else in the department. Clearly, this is not the job for you. See, it's kind of sad that they're they're acting very militant and. You know, some of the the meetings that they have, they're they're telling these officers to go out there like they're the military. But military takes extensive training, yeah. extensive. Mm-hmm. They have none of that. And they have psychological training, too. Part of the way they train them is like a psychological, um, how to deal with psychological warfare. These men aren't trained in that way. They're just like aggressors. And that's not what, like, the military is not trained to be aggressors. They're trained to, like actually secure a situation and it's really just 
exacerbating this whole situation. We need and to that's why there, there were so many other deaths during all this, the rioting and the, the protesting. And a lot of it is trying to get swept under the rug so hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the, the police will claim uh, one thing and then there are videos everywhere. And they're like, all right, yeah, OK, it didn't go down that way. Sorry. I heard they claimed that that old man, the the seventy five year old man, that he had tripped. When we all that's right, that's saw that's the right, video. that's that's what it was. That's that's what I was trying to think about. Yeah, he tripped and fell backwards. They also claimed that um, they didn't use tear gas so that Trump could take that picture at the church, but we saw videos of them using tear gas, and we have like reporters that even got tear gassed um, who were in the hospital from that, and some who ended up in jail after that. Like it, we know because you're actually arresting. We've had a hundred arrests of reporters that they're trying to take away the right our right to fucking like freedom of press. Like that's outrageous. This is like like. Not like we're—I don't know. I don't know who to like. Who's on our side? Well, we all know that Trump hates the press, and he's—he's uh, he's probably got such a such a boner right now with all the all the journalists being arrest arrested. I know he's jacking to that. That's so illegal. Journalists are never supposed to be arrested. It's so illegal. As a security firm, how closely do you work with police? Uh, quite often, actually. A um, few years ago, I, I used to head up uh, the music festival Afropunk. I used to be oh, yeah. security. Yeah, so I, I used to organize the team that's required, and it's 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 a huge festival. Like it, it, at some of the biggest days, we've had like thirty five thousand people, wow. and. You know, when when the festival used to be free, everybody used to come. Everybody in the neighborhood, a lot of people would show. And the park would actually reach capacity to the point that NYPD would tell me to shut it down. And we would actually have to stop letting people in. And there was a year that I had stopped letting people in. The, the, the park was at capacity. And there were pre-sold tickets. So there are certain people that should be in there. So they started getting very angry and all the entrances of the park kind of started bubbling over because we couldn't let people out because then the people that are trying to get in would start to push in. So it looked like it was going to bubble up into a riot. And I actually went to look for our NYPD liaisons to kind of help mitigate the situation. And, you know, the closest officers I saw, I asked them, you know, uh, where their commanding officer was, and they just kind of shrugged me like, we don't know. I'm like, you do have radios, right? And they were like, yeah, and, and there was like no help. So I had to take it upon myself and, you know, call the situation without their help. And we did it, and we're just security guards. And we did it without any incident, without their help. So I don't understand how a lot of this rioting as well, that they can't quell some of this anger and, and the issues without resorting to the force that they're using now. But we, we do, on a regular basis, have to deal with police officers because of like large events. Are they respectful to you? 
It doesn't uh, a, sound a lot it. of them are because we've had ongoing relationships yeah. with them. You know, but but again, like I, I understand because like where Afropunk is during that time, sometimes there's a lot of situations and they do take care and they do coordinate with us as far as trying to keep the rest of the neighborhood safe. But sometimes you could see it like some officers, they, they're just like, whatever. Yeah. Have you gotten involved in the current protests? Uh, not as much as I would like. Same, same. I, uh, I, I, I can't. I can't. And, and, you know, it really hurts me because I was, I'm 55 years old. I was born in Greenwich Village in 1965. My whole life has been about joining protests and in some cases leading protests and uh but right now i'm a caregiver for my mom she's 87 years old i can't be in a crowd i can't get arrested i don't have that luxury um because there's you know there's i'm who's i'm taking care of her you know she will not i mean i do a lot for her and uh so i can't be in crowds and and expose myself to to potentially expose myself to the virus and and I can't get arrested because she's got to eat you know um, yeah I'm sort of in a, in a similar situation where I've always sort of been involved in the protests and um, right now I'm going to go to residential for my eating disorder and I do feel that's important because I think that the idea of like shrinking ourselves, I've done, been doing a lot of research. It's um, rooted in like white supremacy. And I think you can't be an ad, like an advocate and you can't fight if you're like constantly obsessed with shrinking yourself. So I feel like right now this is just like a, a call for me to get, finally get better um, and just sort of focus on more important things than like my body size. Yeah. Our next three shows are, our next three shows are going to be pre-records. Um, we're going to do all three of them tomorrow, and maybe our next four shows are going to be pre-records. But there is something about that that I like because um, everybody that I'm, I'm booking uh, and everybody in the city that has a conscience is angry right now. And maybe in four weeks from now, they won't still be angry, and maybe this show will remind them why they were and maybe still should be. Why and if not, should if not, maybe they don't still need to be angry, but we still need to be thinking about what we have to change, what we have to change. You know, on the on the same day that George Floyd was murdered, on that same day, that was we had a, a woman in Central Park trying to weaponize the police department, which is common, which happens a lot, and uh, the only reason why. Uh, why that man, I, he, he could have been shot, you know, and, and the only reason why this has come to play, has come to the national consciousness is because he filmed it. And it, it's another crazy thing because I have many friends on the force and this, this is their livelihood. Like they really joined the force to make the difference that we all want to see. But at the same time, again, you know, cops are very adamant about serving their time to get their pensions. And, you know, they're very protective of it. So having 
you know, even to he hear from one of my friends in the NYPD telling me that they get marching orders that they wholeheartedly are against, but it's kind of like forcing them to do it or else, you know, it, it, it's tough to hear too. Because it's like, these are, these are the people at the upper echelon, you know, these are the ones doling out the orders and these are the orders that are coming down and you're kind of bullying the cops that really wholeheartedly are against all the brutality going on to be part of it. You know, it's rough. And to be fair, yeah, what we are seeing uh, uh, of police behavior, it's concentrating on when we see the worst. I understand that. I get that. Uh, we're not filming in general or police at their best. Uh, I, I do get that part of it. Um, but I think, uh, I think they have to do better. I think they have to do better. Yeah, everything has to be restructured badly because it's just not working. I mean, we could have 311 could be funded instead of the police and they could have different task force. Like if a men there was a mental illness call, if there was a um, abuse call and maybe have a social worker decide who it is that needs to come and only use police, like still have maybe some police funding, but just much smaller and use a lot of that funding for 311. That's something that is like going around right now, like a... a idea to rebuild but okay, that is true because having someone not part of the force being like a liaison you know they're not going to back them if they know something is wrong yeah and they're not going to send them if it's not necessary they're going to send um if they can send like like an ambulance and send you to like a hospital if that's the best route they'll do that if they can send like maybe just a social worker out um and you know can just sort of manage the situation there's a lot of different people that could come instead of the cops if it's an, a non-violent situation and i think the cops often like they don't know how to deal with the mental ill they don't know how to deal with um like people who are disabled often they they don't understand people who are like can't just follow orders always um and we need people who are trained in that to be like first responders and then the cops to be second responders when i see a big event that happens annually like let's say the annual halloween parade which goes right past my building and all the barricades are being put up Lots and lots of barricades. I keep asking myself, why the fuck are police officers putting up all of these barricades? I mean, this is like the this is simple menial labor. This could go to almost anyone could put up barricades. Why are we taking people who have been who who have been trained, who have who are supposedly here to serve and protect? Uh, who are supposed to be doing a really important job in this city, why are we using them for that? I think it's the idea that we're not supposed to touch the barriers. Only the cops are allowed to. 
I think if they hired that out, it would give the idea that a regular citizen could start moving them. And that's like not if not if you hired it out to a specific company where where they're wearing their own types of uniforms. That's true. Like how you have like the meter maids, right? Yeah. Aren't the meter maids technically a part of the force, though? They're, but they're not trained like the like the officers that are, like, yeah. say, the ones in all these uh, protests right now. They're not trained like them. Yeah. Or the auxiliary police. I just don't get why we're using why we're using our police officers for for that and for things like that. And I think that 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 contributes to their frustration with their job. And 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 if you have people who are frustrated and bored, they're just going to be more likely to to use a situation to take it out on people when they can. That is very true. I've I've been guilty on the job doing security of just being bored. And like I see a situation and excited to go into it and handle it. Right. And, right. uh, and, you know, that's that's not like a, a protest situation. So them being so gung ho about trying to, you know, take down protesters, that's the wrong situations to be gung ho about it. And, you know, like you said, them being bored just to do that, you know, it's it's making it. It's putting it's, fuel on the fire. I think it's more than boredom, though. I think they're angry at us. I mean, like, just before the show, I was having a cigarette on the roof, and they were, like, yelling at them um, just about how they should do their job better, and the cops were acting like five-year-olds in the way they were yelling back, just, like, almost about to cry in, in anger, just so upset, like, tantruming that these people were saying they're bad at their job. Like, it's not even that much of a th- thing like bad thing to say to somebody i feel like they're just so angry at us but i mean we're so angry at them too i don't know how we can move forward if we like, keep funding them in this way well i think we are coming up with some small examples you know the job if done correctly if policing and security and correct me if i'm wrong on this peter if it is set up correctly and you have the right staff in the right places, it should be boring for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it, it's true because that we're, we're, we're a deterrent. You know, the main, the main part of security is to deter and prevent things before they happen. You know, when things happen, that's when you should be ex- expecting or looking to calling the cops. But we're, we're a deterrent, a preventative step. So when things run as they should, it's exactly right. It, it's boring. Nothing's going to go on. Yeah. You know, we're just standing there keeping an eye out. So with that in mind, what w- one good important first step, one of the things we can look at is reducing the jobs that police do that are not just boring but menial. Well, what if we used hired more of our own security, and so then it makes the need for cops like less serious in certain neighborhoods? Does that make sense? Defund the police department and privatize. Yeah, I don't know. Is that is that is that crazy? 
I don't think so. I think it's pretty. I think it would be a good idea. But I would. But I really want to hear from Peter on that. It's 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 really all funding issues. Okay. Because even from now, as opposed to to ten years ago, like in general, I've been doing security for seventeen, going on eighteen years. So, the places that use security now are a lot and a few and far between as it used to be. So, and you know, a lot of places so between their 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 first venues like nightlife venues, bars, restaurants, any of those. Like between their rent going up and them not being able to afford to keep like all the staff they would <laughs> like, you know, it, it becomes a funding issue. Yeah, the dancers took a big hit um, too. I feel like the, you know that you used to have a dancer in every bar, um, but the, the people just can't afford the go-go dancer anymore, and they, I feel like, feel like well, eventually some girl's gonna take off her clothes anyway and dance on the bar anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so true, that's the problem with my job or my old job it's like somebody's gonna do it for free so i've seen a lot of that you are listening to radio free brooklyn you're listening to art star scene radio on radio free brooklyn also a safe space radio whether you want to call it art star scene or a safe space it's still a s s s radio and we like that if you like what you're hearing if you think that we're doing something important if maybe you got uh, uh, a new idea or maybe something you were thinking was expressed and you feel good about that uh, or if you just want to support free form radio if you want to support free form radio radio free brooklyn like a lot of businesses is having trouble. All of our revenue for uh, that we rent out the studio for for podcasting that is gone, uh, and that is a good chunk of our money. So please think about giving us some support. You can do a one-time din- donation. You can do a monthly donation. You can give as you can give a buck. You can give a friggin' one dollar, and and we would be happy for it. And you'd go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash support your donations are 100 percent tax deductible we are a 501c uh corporation and uh we we are a, a non-profit organization we do this because we love this and if you like or love this and you got a little something little little change in the couch please help us out um also the Black Sex Worker Fund needs some money because um, they're some of the most marginalized in um, the black community right now in New York City. Um, the Trevor Project needs some money because they mostly help in their hotline um, queer people of color, um, and it gets them, you know, kids who are suicidal into safe spaces. Um, um, obviously, Black Lives Matter. Um, who else do we want to bring? I feel like it's hard. There's so many places to donate to. There are. There are a lot of places to donate to. Um, I am required to do the RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash support, <laughs> but I'm also happy to do it. And I'm glad that I'm not reading from the copy anymore. I feel like I'm more speaking from my heart. I really love this station. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there, are, there are so many important causes out there, so many places, so many people that, that need help. Uh, so if you are not one of those people, then uh, open up your hearts, open up your pockets, do something. Do something. 
we'll get back to well where, where were we should we continue on this kind of subject it's, matter that we're on it's right. up to you guys you know and i loved her idea like you know if the city were to do like a funded branch of security that that would be a good thing because you know they'd have like some public funding and they could use them for certain situations that you know you might not need cops for your founder 35 years of martial arts is uh, martial arts training uh, a prerequisite for all of your officers? Uh, no, not all our security. It's it's mostly like de-escalation tr- training, which we would love if the NYPD had a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and, that, and, and, that's we're preventative step. and that's what we're talking about here. You know, would you rather have... In, in a situation where there's peaceful protesters, peaceful protesters, would you rather have someone trained to use a gun and a baton, or would you rather have someone trained to de-escalate? I would rather have my money going towards a force of people who are trained to de-escalate, not to bash heads in. Yeah, I've had people come in to interview, and they're, they're very aggressive, and they're, they're really, their mindset is that they're, they're going to come in and bash some heads, and you know, that's not what we want. That's not what we hire because that in itself is going to cause. I need a goddamn job. Exactly. In itself, is going to cause so much problems. That you is who the cops hire, though. That's I'm who the cops like. I'm a fucking tank. You know, I'm a exactly. goddamn tank. The cops like beefheads who just like don't really have like original thought, and you know, I feel like the problem. Like, I mean. I worked nightlife for a long time, and the security guards were just the best people to work with and my, like, best um, co-workers. Um, I have a lot of respect for them, um, and I feel like their job is so much harder than people think. Um, but cops are, are just such so different than them. Can you imagine, Peter, can you anywhere in your world imagine turning a candidate away because they were too smart? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> you know what? That one person is 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 going to probably be the equivalent of like four regular guards. Yeah. Because they're going to be able to manage an entire group by themselves with just their wits. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I fe- I feel very safe. I felt very safe at Webster Hall thanks to the security, and like it's a very hard place to feel safe as a dancer in that sort of venue with so many people, five thousand people running around. And I would never ever go to the cops for anything. You know, when when something tragic happens to me, like I don't go to the cops because I know they're not going to help. And it it is tough, like with like Afropunk. You know, we want to be sensitive to everybody, you know, their sexual orientation, all of that. So even sometimes we try to have quick meetings just to teach the guards how to interact with a lot of the crowd that is that that comes to Afropunk so that just just so they won't offend anybody to kind of make them feel in a very safer space that they know we're there to help them. 
you know, that we're there for anything besides security needs, you know, that they can come to us. Do you think more often than not that uh, young people often think in terms of us versus them? Uh, I know I did it when I was younger. I, there was, there was, you know, I, I just, I really, there was, there was us, them, and I didn't see any gray areas. Um, do you feel that uh, that a lot of the the kids in the nightlife view you? as them, as the authority, as the police, as the, as, you know, their enemy, as opposed to their friend. Yeah, it's, it's really how it is. Because we're the ones that tell them what to do, where to go, what they can't do. So it's kind of automatically kind of like an authority figure. I would say you're very good friends with the rest of the staff. And I think the staff, it is, it's just sort of anyone on the staff is us versus them. Like, I went out drinking with the the security guards after um, when they used to, like, when the East Village was still cool and, like, they let, you know, us have after parties if you worked at a venue. But, you know, it's okay. (laughs) I fucking hate de Blasio. The the biggest divide is, is, like, actual people like yourself that would show up and you know they they talk to us because they don't see us as us versus them they just know we're there either looking out for them or protecting them so they talk to us and they get to know us and you know they 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 break that divide between us so like when you have other people that are in the venue yeah like trying to tell people oh the security's right there uh don't go talk to them or don't do that but they're like, nah, they're cool. I've been chatting with them all night. And then people come and see us more as, oh, they're, they're just kind of here for you. I think it, we need people who are going to um, sort of act as a bridge because the reality is, is in a lot of these venues, it's um, a lot of white people who are working in the venue and a lot of like white queer kids. And a lot of the security guards are people of color and... Um, usually straight and it's there's like we but there shouldn't be such a divide because i feel, feel like we've both known oppression in a way you know and like we're like we, we're not as different as we think we are does that make sense it, it is it is true and it, even those are things i've had to touch on many times with like my guards because again it's, it's kind of this like alpha male mindset and so I'll let any of my guards know any locations that we put them if it's a gay-owned establishment so that if that's something that would make them feel uncomfortable or if not, just so they're, they're aware and they don't do anything that would be discriminatory. See, that's really responsible, whereas the cops, they send out the one who's going to discriminate to the house who's you know what i mean they literally send the people who hate like, gay people to the gay house or you know, like that's like they're the leadership in the cops is so different than the way you you like that you're acting as a leader does that make sense yeah not in not in every instance not in every instance uh for example the sixth precinct um which is the precinct that i'm in this neighborhood was uh predominantly gay for a very long time. Christopher Street was the heart. Stonewall was on Christopher Street, is still on Christopher Street. And um, and the community affairs officer, Officer Duffy, um, whom I've dealt with on various different things, 
that I've you know protests that I've organized. Uh, he's he's outwardly gay man. Um, so they did. Ha- they that did was have that. that was something they did to like um, make the neighborhood not hate them anymore because you remember that Stonewall happened because the gays were like. Um, actively attacking, I mean, the the police were actively attacking the gays and especially the trans people and not allowing them into bars if they were people of color. It, the white ones were allowed in, but remember, the, the that was, so they had to put a gay man in just to make it look better, but that doesn't mean that, like, the police has, um, like, changed in any way. I might be biased, but I think that the 6th Precinct has evolved to be, um, uh, a little better, a little bit better than what I see in other precincts. It's hard to to get those strides that we hope for. You know, I've I've had one of my friends at a venue I was working, and they identified as male, and they went into the restroom, the men's room, and one of my guards saw that and was like, "Hey, where are you going?" and stopped them and and turned it into a whole thing. And I had to kind of break it down for him and be like, look, we can't have this kind of mindset. You know, there's nothing saying they can't use that restroom, you know, and and why would you really turn it into such a a, 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 a aggressive situation when it didn't warrant that? And again, it, it's it's because that's that's their mentality. And if we, we're not constantly on top of it and constantly talking about it, you know, it, it's hard to get make those strides that we want. Yeah, I'm not brave enough to use the male restroom right now. I feel like they're, I'm not ready to deal with all the consequences that come with that at the moment. And it kind of sucks that, you know, that that... That's still a thing. You know, we I, I feel like before Trump, we were making so so much good strides. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Jesus yep. Christ. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Under Obama, these types of issues were, were really, really making progress. And now just backwards, backwards, backwards. Yeah, I mean, um, Trump is trying to take away, like, all rights from trans people right now. Um, so... That's happening. That's happening. <laughs> <laughs> At least New York City never will. Like they'll never take away our rights. I've noticed like each time I've mentioned that I ordered a, a new dildo for us, uh, you've been changing the subject and I think I know why it is. I think it's like I'm saying, Lucas, there's this really, really amazing movie that you can't see. For six months, <laughs> maybe two years. Yeah, Not sure. It might take ten years to get this vaccine. <laughs> did I kind of did I kind of figure out why you, you don't? I care think if about... there was like an end in sight, but there's just no end. Like we have no answers. Like we have no idea. It's kind of like having a Christmas gift you can't open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back off on that because I figured out that it's just not something miss, you need to hear about. I seriously miss putting on a dick. It's, it's I know. Terrible. I know. <laughs> 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 I know you do. 
Francis found this really realistic one, and he wants to write to the company and ask them to, like, give it to us discounted if we review it. Because it's, like, very expensive. It's, like, $500, but... It is. Wow, that is... That is the first I've heard of one that expensive. It, like, moves and shit. Like, it's very weird. Yeah, is it like it's, molded it's, from an actual celebrity or something. No, do you do you, have you heard of the Real Doll Company? Uh, vaguely. All right, so well it's they're they're the ones like that. that. It it like okay. make, it, it feels that like company. a real dick and like it moves and shit and it's like it actually like moves with you. Oh, that's a kind of awesome. Yeah, so it's you not. You want to hear the email like that I <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to write to them. Hello, my name is Francis R. Hall, and I'm writing in the hopes of making an endorsement deal with your company. <laughs> <laughs> Under my nickname, Faceboy, I have been a successful producer and performer in New York City for over 30 years. Here is a link to a Wikipedia page about me. Link! It's a bit outdated, but not inaccurate. Currently, I produce and co-host Art Star Scene Radio, a.k.a. Ass Radio, on Radio Free Brooklyn with my trans male boyfriend, Lucas Ferreira. We're seeking either a 50% discount on a Dirk model real cock 2. <laughs> I'm getting real specific. I want to make sure they know what dick I want. In exchange of six months endorsement on our weekly show or a year's endorsement if we can get one for free. Radio Free Brooklyn is ranked amongst the top internet-based radio stations in the world, links, and Art Star Scene Radio has consistently been one of the top ten most listened to shows on the station. Here's an interesting side note. My older brother wrote the song Detachable Penis, which became a moderate hit in the early 90s, reaching number 25 on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart, featured favorably on MTV's Beavis and Butthead, and currently has nearly 3 million views on YouTube. From what I have researched, I believe you have created the best detachable penis in the world, and I further believe it belongs in my ass radio show. Thank you for your consideration on my proposal. Sincerely, Francis R. Hall, a.k.a. Faceboy. Not bad. Yeah, I don't see them turning that down. I think it, it's a pretty good you. sell, right? <laughs> yeah. My brother wrote Detachable Penis. I still remember that song. <laughs> I didn't think you were old enough. <laughs> no, I remember it. <laughs> Detachable Penis. My brother and his brother played together at a show, and all my older like customers at Pumps were like, your brother is playing with... Wait, what's your brother's band name again? King Missile. They're like, your brother's playing with King Missile? And I was like, oh, and my boyfriend is the brother of... And they were like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's not how my brother got the gig, though. My brother got the gig on his own. It was like news to you, too? Yeah, I was like, what? Peter, um, I have found that in, in many cases... People who go into a line of work where they are protecting other people, um, and I know that we've discussed that not everybody sees security that way, uh, but I see it that way, uh, that there was some point in their lives that they felt vulnerable. 
Uh, for, for me, I, I think it's it's more of a family thing. My my dad was some big time cop in Jamaica, where he still lives. He's retired now. Uh, my family, a lot of it's military. It, I I don't know if it's just <laughs> we're just protective. I've, I, you know, I've always been protective of like my friends and and you know I've I can always attest taken to that. like this. You, yeah. You're protective of me, Peter. Peter checks up on me probably like every day just to make sure that I'm okay in this. Yeah, time. and it's who I am, and I just think it's in in my genes at this point. <laughs> totally. And uh, I just didn't do the military thing because I no. can't blindly follow orders when I know it's wrong. No, I I feel like I can't That's, imagine you. In the I, military. I really like hearing that. I I don't I don't want to follow orders when I can't follow orders when I know it's wrong. Yeah, I can't either. I'm, you know me, I'm like, I make a scene. <laughs> and see, this is, these, uh, the, the, this, uh, this letter that, that led to these 57 officers, uh, deciding to go to a different department. Um, one of the things that, that was written in there was these two officers were just following orders. I hate those words. I hate those words because they make me think of, they make me think of Nazi Germany. Well, then also, f- then then go to the people who gave them the orders and prosecute those people. Somebody needs as well. To, somebody as needs well. To, it is the thing that needs to happen because it's also like I I don't know why all fifty of those cops were so gung ho about those two doing what they did and being upset they were suspended but like i'm pretty sure there was some in the precinct that just knew that shit was wrong you know but they're not going to speak up because they they gotta have their fill officers back that's why like you said we got we gotta hit them at the top get those guys out so those orders aren't coming down the line yeah yeah we can't um we have to hold those people accountable it's ridiculous. In in war, we would hold the person who gave the orders accountable, and this is basically a war at this point. So they're acting like this is a war, and they're wearing um, armor like it's a war. So I think we can prosecute them, you know, in that way. This is why the part of like Trump calling the military out—that's. That's the scariest part. Oh, absolutely. It <laughs> made it worse. They are them. trained killers. That's what they're trained for. So that is like the scariest part. When a nation is using its its army against the people, that is a bad day. That is like <laughs> That is a bad day. That is a very bad day. That I don't even know what else to day. say about that. <laughs> it's <is> raw. <rough. laughs> Yeah, I'm, even when you see uh, National Guard, which is which is which is you know not quite the army, not quite Navy, Air Force, Marines, etc. Even when you see how they deal with uh, enforcement, it's it's weird. It's weird. Uh, the, I saw some footage, and it was curfew, and these guys are like, "Get in your houses right now! Get in your houses right now! No, no!" And there was these people who were on their porch. There, it was private property. They were allowed to be on it. Yeah. They, and, Some people and, have gotten arrested for that. What? And since they they didn't go inside their house, since 
like the guy who said, get your houses right now. And the next thing the guy goes, all right, light them up, which means fire, rubber bullets or paintballs or whatever it was. But so then they they shot the people who were on their private property. That's the National Guard. And that's not even the army. They're not even using these properly. They're shooting people at such point blank range that they're doing serious bodily damage. People are losing eyes. A lot of people are losing eyes. It's very bad. I mean, you're not supposed to aim in the eye. That's like I feel like intentional. Why it is so many? It seems peculiar that so many people happen to have lost an eye. <laughs> yeah, they're they're aiming to do damage. <laughs> Well, they're they're angry because people set their cars on fire, people throwing bottles at them, people doing things that the police burn are it near. down, burn the whole, burn it all down. Kind of not start. the point of our show being a safe space, babe. No, um, that's a safe space. That's that's what we're safely going. We're just safely talk about burning the whole fucking thing down. Let's safely talk about burning it all down. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) That's why we make such a good, great team, because we're not always on the same page. We have different opinions. What's that? Because you don't let me burn it down. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, babe, babe, can we think about this? <laughs> it's a working relationship. Well, you know, I think this is why we've been doing so well for six years. When one of us is faltering, the other one is there to. When one of us is falling, the other one there is there to pick us up. You know, and and this week, uh, the past couple of days, the couple of things that we've been talking about, I think it's a total example of that. But we are out of time. Uh, I want to thank you, Peter, so much for being on the show. I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, and uh, I hope you, I hope you had some fun. I hope you felt oh, that I, you I were loved every minute of it, man. I'm, I'm glad you guys called me on. I'm glad. Yeah, we loved having I you. That you felt that you were able to express yourself Lucas always 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 you have so much of my gratitude I love you so much and if you would be so kind as to bring up the uh, our theme music before we get cut off also thank you listeners for, for listening <laughs>